Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Joshua. We're taking a short break from our study in uh, the book of Hebrews. We've got our family revival coming up in a couple weeks. And uh, not only do we have our family revival, but we've got a few other things that we have, uh, by God's grace, we're going to be able to look at here in the near future. And so we want to take just a, a, a brief pause what we're doing in the book of Hebrews uh, to get our minds focused in for a little bit. Today, uh, we're here in Joshua chapter 4 and understand what's going on. The children of Israel have spent 40 years. You'll find out as you study this that it is just about 40 years to the day that they had uh, left the, in the Exodus. And so they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness and now God instructs Joshua on how to cross over the Jordan. As per the norm, it will require faith. I loved what Dr. Desai brought to us this morning. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. So the people cross over. Now we read of something special that God asked of the people. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 4. Let's read, starting in verse number 4. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Drop down to verse number 20, if you would, please. It says, In these twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal, and he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time come, what mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, uh, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Father, we ask your blessing upon your word as it has been read. We ask, Father, its application to our lives. The Lord, open our minds this morning that we may be able to see you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now you're going to notice in this as we take a look, I'm not going to go through every single bit uh, of the passage here. I encourage you to do this on your own. Uh, perhaps even start at the very beginning of the book of Joshua. Maybe even go all the way back into Exodus and see uh, what's taking place. And if you remember, and we've even talked about a lot of this during our study in the book of Hebrews, we've gone over what took place and they were to cross over Jordan and enter into that sanctified life. Now, uh, again, I remind you that the idea of crossing the Jordan was not uh, about entering into 
heaven. The promised land was not necessarily a picture of heaven. The promised land was living in the promises of God in the sense of the sanctified life or living a, a, a well-pleasing life. We are able to then enter into that rest. But because of their disobedience, because of their lack of faith, because they did not believe God, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And when they finally get over here, you're going to find that after they had crossed, shortly after that, they are celebrating uh, the, uh, um, uh, the Passover. And so 40 years had taken place just about to the date from their exodus, long period of time of wandering in the wilderness. And so I want to take just a moment today and, and kind of discuss a little bit about this establishing of memorials. And the idea that comes when we get into these Memorial Day type of uh, uh, times in our life is, should I set up a memorial of my own? Now, we just sang just a moment ago, here I raised my Ebenezer. And the question then would be, what would be my version of an Ebenezer? What memorial should I erect in my life uh, that can take me back? Well, let's understand what this establishing of memorials is. Let's take a look not only that, but understanding the purpose behind it and the result of it. So what exactly is a memorial? Well, it's something that is either tangible or oftentimes intangible, uh, meant to cause one to remember. And so often we have an event or we have a person or something that takes place that we want to memorialize. And so tomorrow being Memorial Day, uh, as Brother Jeff gave to us, there was, there was reasoning for this. And it began as, uh, uh, as an honoring of the Civil War uh, uh, soldiers who had died in, uh, uh, in the uh, Civil War. But then it had, over time, had kind of grown into an honoring and a memorial day, a day set apart, specific day set apart, so that we can remember those who have gone uh, into battle, lost their lives in battle. They gave all for us so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we do have. Now, I, I'm thankful for that. My grandfather was such a man. He was on uh, uh, a minesweeper in the Navy. He was out there uh, during the World War II. He was one of the uh, last World War II vets that I've ever had the privilege of being able to speak with. And he was one of those that made his way through. And, and as a matter of fact, I just recently uh, had his ring. This is a ring that he had given to me when I was in my uh, early 20s. He gave it to me and he says, I want you to have something. And he said, this is a ring that my sisters gave me before I left for World War II. He wore it all through the war. It's something special to me. And it's something that I look at every once in a while. And I haven't had it out because for a while the stone was loose. Uh, this was tarnished. It looked more brown than gold. And I took it. My uh, wedding ring was all bent up and mangled, so I took it to get repaired, and I just happened to see that, and I said, you know what? I'm taking that too. And so as I, as I got it uh, uh, fixed, I put it on the other day, and I thought, man, I got two good-looking hands now. I had my memorials. This one was a memorial of my girlfriend, my bride. This one was a memorial of my grandfather, one of my best friends. And so I looked at those. And so are memorials bad things? No, they're not bad. And sometimes uh, uh, we do not make enough of it, uh, and sometimes we make too much of it. 
Many memorials uh, can be seen. Like I said, some can be tangible, some are intangible. A day is not exactly something that you hold. But we have days, such as tomorrow coming up, Memorial Day, that is an intangible memorial to us. It's a time where we're supposed to pause and reflect and look back. So the monument was not, however, what was supposed to be sacred. Think about this for a minute. Memorial Day in and of itself is meant to be a day that has been set aside as a reminder of those who gave their lives for our freedoms. It's not to be the focus, the day itself. We think about it from uh, the idea of Christmas. Many people, they argue Christmas comes around and, well, it's really, uh, you know, Jesus was not born on December 25th and you're celebrating a pagan holiday that was, you know, I don't celebrate the day, I celebrate the event. All right, so if you want to celebrate it on December 25th or if you want to celebrate it on January 6th or if you want to celebrate it, well, we celebrate Christmas all year long. Really? I want to be a part of that family. I mean, gifts all year. But this is, this is what we want to focus in on today, the, the idea of this memorial. And this memorial day gives to us an opportunity to say thank you to the men and women who have given their lives. Now, we're fast to set up monuments and celebrate days. But the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning is have you been as quick to set up a monument for God's power in your life? Have you been quick to do this? Now, here's what I want to try to explain this morning in the time that's available here. Understand what the memorials are and what they actually, what specific significance they have. You know, you had two separate crossings. If you look with me there uh, at verse 23 of chapter 4, we read this just a moment ago, but notice what he says. He said, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until we were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. There were two separate crossings. It's important for us to understand the significance here of not just the memorial, but it's important to understand the significance of the crossings. Now, we can be very crass and just simply say, well, the crossing of the Red Sea was about the crossing of the Red Sea, and the crossing of the Jordan was about the crossing of the Jordan. But we can also take types of this and understand uh, the Old Testament is full of uh, um, uh, object lessons, chock full of object lessons. And we are able, and it's not anything that we do today that we shouldn't do. Jesus did it. His disciples did it. The the writers of the New Testament did it. They took the events of the Old Testament and drew a parallel to us today. Everything from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation points to one uh, specific theme, and that is of the redemption provided by Jesus Christ on the cross. Everything. Now, if that's true, then I need to be able to see these crossings in a similar fashion. And so let's look at that just, just for a moment. If you were to turn, I'm, I'm just going to give you the passage. You can look at it yourself in, uh, uh, in, uh, uh, later on in the afternoon. But the Red Sea crossing took place in Exodus chapter 14. Now, the people were instructed to step aside and watch. Notice that when you read this later on. They were told, it's time for you to just step aside and watch the power of God. 
However, when we get up here to the Jordan crossing that is seen in Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4, they, the people were instructed to step out in faith and watch. Red Sea, step back, watch what happens. God's going to do it all. Crossing of the, Red, uh, of the Jordan, get in the water and watch what happens. You see, these two crossings give us two types of things taking place in our life. Remember, the exodus took place. And when the exodus took place, many people today have an exodus story of their own. In their own life, they're able to look back to the exodus. They're able to look back when they turned their back on their life and they decided to follow Jesus. But the problem is there were so many, just like in Joshua and Caleb's day, the people, when they finally got to the promised land and God said, step out and see, they got scared, stepped back, and said, I don't want to do it. And so finally, 40 years later, you have the people of Israel yet again, here they are at the brink of the Jordan, and God says, step out and see. You see, this is similar or a type or an illustration of our spiritual journey. Understand something. God does all the work for your salvation. All of it. Don't miss that. Well, Pastor, it, it, you know, that's good and all, but I, I still have to do this, or I still have to do that, or I still have to live this way, or I still have to live that way. No, 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 my friend. You do that as a result of, not in order to. That's salvation. You can equate that to your Red Sea crossing. When it comes to living the sanctified life, that's some work. God's power is the one that does it, but it requires you and I, my friend, to step out and follow Him. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. God takes care of salvation. And I want you to, to realize something, because I'm not saying for any moment, I'm not saying any moment that your salvation is not sure. Understand something. God is responsible for the justification of a believer. It is God that justifies. Read Romans chapter 8. He's the one that does it. You and I, my friend, have to follow up with the sanctification part. We got work to do. God's victory over the penalty of sin is certain, guaranteed. However, your victory over sin's power is conditional to you following Pastor, you know, I'm saved. I shouldn't be struggling with this. I'm saved. I shouldn't have this problem. I'm saved. How much are you giving in to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God? How much are you following Him? When the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, are you studying? Well, no, I, I study on Sundays. Praise the Lord. Step one is admitting you have a problem. Step two, address it. You see, we need to realize that God calls us to follow Him, not sit back and let Him do everything. There were two memorials in this passage. I want you to notice these. If you note what takes place here in Joshua 
Uh, we read verse four through uh, verse four through seven there, I believe. Drop down to verse number eight of chapter four, though. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Verse 9, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. There are two memorials that have been placed at this reading. Later on, Joshua is going to take those rocks that were brought out and carried by the people. He's going to establish a memorial there in Gilgal. But in the midst of the Jordan, before the priests pulled their feet out, Joshua goes and he sets a memorial right where they stood. And so just like you have the two crossings, you have the two memorials. I want you to notice something about this. Joshua set that memorial up himself. Joshua did it. No help from anyone around. You know, Joshua's name means Savior. Jesus' name is tantamount to Joshua. Joshua, some people called him, or Jesus, some people called him Yeshua. Joshua. And so Joshua, now, before anybody storms me later and says, Joshua is not Jesus, I know. It's a picture. God uses pictures because we're sheep, we're dumb, we need picture books. And so he, he, he takes Joshua here. Joshua sets it up. He does it. Set it up himself. Just like Christ did all the work on the cross himself. You remember when we were reading in Hebrews chapter number 1, verse 3, when it says, Who, when he by himself purged our sins. It wasn't the, the act of the guys nailing him to the cross. It wasn't the uh, Caiaphas and the other uh, folks uh, condemning him to death that gave you salvation. Jesus Christ, by himself, purged your sins. No help. No help. To say anything different is to call God a liar. And so the picture that you have in that first monument, that first uh, memorial that was placed in the water, remembering what Christ did, the deliverance came from God. But the second one, it took work on part of the people. You see that? Joshua could have set both of these monuments up himself, right? He could have said, okay, guys, go ahead and get everybody across while I take care of a couple things here. No, 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 no. He says, I need some other people with some strong backs willing to work. I've heard the stories of the church, and this is why we're excited. Jesse's putting some work into this upcoming November uh, celebration of the anniversary for the church. I'm, I'm sure if I gave Pastor a microphone right now, we would be here for several hours while he talks about the people with strong backs who worked. It wasn't everybody else sit by while Joshua did everything. 
Joshua led while other people got involved. You see, these two memorials, the Christian life is not a call. Get this, is not a call to sit around and do nothing while somebody else does everything, but it is a call to follow. Jesus never said, pray this prayer and then sit down for the rest of your life and do nothing. No. He said, follow me. Follow me. We're not called to be consumers. We're called to be contributors. We're not called to just take, 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 take. We're called to follow his lead, which was what? Give, 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 give. I want you to notice something else about this. These memorials were never meant, never meant to be the focus, but they were meant to be reminders of what God had done. People weren't supposed to go back to these memorials, and that's, this is where we pray. This is where we, this is where we, no, 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 no. The whole purpose was when the kids walking around going, Dad, what's that pile of rocks over there? Oh, son, let me tell you about God's goodness. Dad, how come y'all got that? We can use that to set our landmarks at home. Why don't we go get that? No, 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 son. Uh Uh-uh. See, we, we do this kind of stuff ourselves. We have certain things that are set aside. And all the... All the men in the room probably understand mama's towels and your wife's towels. You know the ones that you go in and they're there in the bathroom and you wash your hands and you look at and you realize that there's nothing to dry your hands, but you just know if you use the special towels, your head will roll. <laughs> dry them on myself here because ain't going to touch that towel. That's mama's pretty towels, right? You don't use the good towels. Those are decorations. Pictures are decorations, okay? Those are my pretty towels. Praise God for pretty towels. I got hands that need pretty drying. (laughs) The result was never meant to focus on the thing, but on what they represented. God's power. God's provision. God's faithfulness. It reminded them of the decision that they had made. And you look back to these, and you tell your kids about how God dried the Jordan up. Tell them how He did it. Tell them why He did it. Tell Him what He called you to do. It's a reminder of what decision they made, and it was a reminder that they were no longer in the wilderness. Well, son, your grandpa, he didn't believe God. So he didn't get to make it into the promised land. But when we made it up to this river the next time, we made it. We made a decision to move forward. And when we stepped in that water, it's something amazing. We weren't afraid. We believed Him. This is what He did. 
That was the whole point of these memorials. Now, we have several examples. I, I, I've got a few that I want to put up here. You know, for example, World War II Memorial. You go into Washington, D.C., and you'll find this. My dad was able to take my grandfather just before he passed away to go see the World War II Memorial. Shame it took that long to erect this memorial. Crying shame, but did. My dad said he's only seen his father cry a couple times in his life. Not only do you have the World War II Memorial, but you've got the Vietnam Memorial. Take a, take a moment one day and just walk. You ever get the opportunity to go out there and you just walk down the road of name, name, name. Another one that's near and dear to many hearts is the Pearl Harbor Memorial. We erect these memorials because we don't ever want to forget. You remember what it was like. You had 9-11 and everybody and their brother was waving a flag. Everybody and their brother was saying, God bless America. Everybody was pausing to pray. Everybody was shouting, let us never forget. A little bit of time goes by and how quickly we forget. That was the whole purpose of these memorials. You have a couple other memorials there in D.C. A couple of them, for example, you have the Lincoln Memorial. You have the Jefferson. You know, all these different memorials that get put in front of us, you know, there's nothing bad about a memorial. Don't, don't worry about these. None of these are bad things, so long as the memorial does not take fronts. And so I want you to think for a moment, the, the, the question we began with was simply, should I have a memorial of my own? I want to ask you, what memorial do you have of God's power in your life? Now, before anyone starts thinking, okay, when I get home, I'm going to set up a special statue. Or I'm going to paint a picture. Oh, I'm going to hit the jewelry store. Before anybody goes down this road, let me help you with something here. Take your hand. You can remove it from, actually, don't even worry about that. Remove yourself from Joshua. Go to the back of the book, the book of 1 John with me, if you would. Go to the book of 1 John. I want to look at a few things that 1 John teaches us. You see, there are a few things that God gives to us as reminders. There are two specific um, ordinances that the church observes. We don't refer to these as sacraments because we don't believe that there's any saving grace in them. They are ordinances. They are things that we do as remembrances. One is baptism. It shows others what we have decided to do. And I don't know about you, but every time I get to witness a baptism, I am reminded of the decision I made. That's what's beautiful. That's why it's one of the reasons it's supposed to be a public uh, showing. It's supposed to be a public thing, not a private thing. 
I'm not going to show up at your house and baptize you there. It's at the church. It takes place in front of the church. This is not something that we go out into the park and just do willy-nilly. There's a reason for that. Not only that, I'm reminded of the taking of a new life. I was buried. I'm dead to self, raised to walk in a new life. Lord's table, Brother Jeff read from the passage earlier. When we, when we take of the Lord's table, we are reminded of what Christ did, how he died for us. He, his blood was spilled. His body was broken. He did this for us. Now, again, in making our own memorials, I don't want anybody running home to make a shrine, starting to think of your next, before you start making plans and drawing up a sketch of what you're going to do. Let, let me help you with something here. The Word of God tells us exactly the memorial you and I need to make. If you were to look at John, 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. If you were to continue to read down through here, you would find pretty quickly that one thing that God wants you to do is to love your brother. Another thing that he wants you to do, I want you to stay here with me in chapter 2, Drop back into verse number 3 so we can see both of these in context. Verse 3 of chapter 2 says, And hereby we know that we do know Him if we keep His commandments. You want to know a great memorial of the power of God in your life? Keep His commandments. What is one of His commandments? Love your brother. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. There is no occasion. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because the darkness hath blinded his eye. Love your brother. Keep Christ's commandments. What's another one? Look at ch- Continue down in chapter 2. Look at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You want to know a wonderful memorial of the power of God in your life? Quit loving the world and the things of the world. Love God instead. Go to chapter 3 with me. Look at verse number 4. It says, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he is manifest to take away your, our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know, known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, He that is uh, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, before anybody comes and says, so you tell me i got to be perfect? No. 
And without getting into it and boring you with all the details, I can take you down through the Greek. And what it's talking about is a life of practicing habitual sin. I going, I'm going to continue to do whatever I want, and it's not a big deal. The Bible says the person that does this does not know Christ. But the person who recognizes the fact that they fall and they are going to get up and they are going to continue to try their best to not fall, they're not going to give in to it. They're not going to say, oh, well, such is the day, such is my life. I guess it's, it's a good thing I prayed my prayer 10 years ago. No, you don't know Christ. And so the Bible lets us know to forsake sin, not to make it a practice. The person who is born again by the Spirit of God cannot remain in sin. So do not practice sin. Chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 teaches us to love one another. And how does it teach us to love one another? It says generously. It says if you close up the bowels of compassion. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter number 4. Look at verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. What's another way? We do not practice sin. We love generously. But beyond that, guess what? We test the Scripture. Test them. We test them. We don't just believe everything that's said to us. We get into the Word of God and we study it. Why do we do this? We test any message that is given to us to find out, is it against God's Word? And how do we know Jesus? Jesus is the test of truth. Does it promote Christ? Does it belittle Christ? I've had people ask me, what do you, how do you define a cult? Me, I use two rules. Number one, who's Jesus Christ? Number two, what is the way of salvation? If they get those two wrong, there's no sense going any further. None. So you want to know how you can make a wonderful memorial to God? This is the life we live. I want you to look at the John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. And this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also love one another. It's important for us to love one another sacrificially. Sacrificially. Pastor Andy, I'm having a hard time seeing where you're making this equivalent to setting a memorial. Look at chapter 5. 
Look at verse 12, please. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you. What things? Everything in this book, 1 John. Was written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Why did he write this? So that you would know. You examine your life in light of God's word. Dad, why do we always go to church on Sunday? Well, let me tell you about the power of God, son. Dad, why don't we go to places like this or that where other people go? Oh, son, let me tell you about the love of God. Dad, why do you treat mom like that? Why do you treat her? Oh, let me tell you about the goodness of my God. This is why I treat your mother the way I treat her. Dad, why do you say the things that you say and you don't say what other people say? Oh, let me tell you about the goodness of God. Dad, why do you give so much money to the church and to missions and to, uh, to helping people around the world? Oh, let me tell you about the goodness of my God, son. Dad, why do you do without? You could do with, so you could have a lot more nicer things. You could have a nicer this or a nicer that if you just simply didn't give as much to God as you do. Oh, son, let me tell you about my God and about how he is. Dad, why do you take people talking to you that way? Why don't you respond? Why don't you, why don't you punch them, dad? You could probably take them down. You could probably whoop them, dad, because of the love of my God. And I want to live different because of what he did to me. Why are Aren't you the same way you used to be, Dad? What God did in my life. I'm not who I once was. I had my Red Sea experience, Doc. But I had my Jordan experience, too. And I'm not who I once was. And I'm able to look at the things I don't do anymore. I'm able to look at the things that I practice now. I'm able to look at the way I turn another cheek. I'm able to look at the way that I don't just give one thing. I give a second mile. And I'm able to say, praise God. I'm not what I once was. What about you? I'm not saying I'm perfect. How far from it, my friends? Dad, why are you always saying I'm sorry? (laughs) I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But Paul, when he was writing in the book of Romans, he said this, He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Before you go buy yourself a new piece of fancy jewelry, slap a bumper sticker on your car, buy a T-shirt that says, Real Men Love Jesus, before you do any of that kind of stuff, my friend, give your life a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. A reasonable service. 
But what about you? What about you? Can I ask you this morning, is your life today a memorial of the salvation of God? Or when people see your life, do they wonder? Christian? Him? <laughs> no. He goes to church? No. He's one of those Bible carriers? <laughs> That's Is your life a memorial to what God has done in your Are you still going back to Egypt? Understand something. You know that memorial on this side of Jordan? It was about people seeing that one. I don't have to go back to Egypt and show my kids what happened back there. I show them what's taking place today. A lot of people taking, folks, let me go back here. Let me take you back here. Tell you about what I did. Let me tell you about the prayer I prayed, the people I talked to, the things that I did back then. I'm not doing any of this now, but let me take you back to Egypt. No. Right here. Are you still going back to Egypt? Or are there memorials? Okay. Let me show you one last thing in First John. The last verse of First John says this. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You know why he wrote that? I believe with all my heart. People were looking for something to hold on to. Physically. I still got the Bible I was given when I got baptized. That shows I'm saved, don't it? I've even got a baptismal certificate. That shows I'm saved, don't it? My Sunday school teacher told me I was saved, and I can go find them. Of course, she was 89 years old when that happened, and she's probably 143 now, but I'll go find her. Today. Flee from idols and live a life of memorial. Live a life. Tomorrow, we're going to be celebrating Memorial Day. By God's grace, I'm going to be over here at Fowler Center. They'll be having a uh, parade. They'll be having a special time of focus. We'll be praying. A couple of the other area pastors will be there. I encourage you to see if you can come on out and support. Not because I'm there. Because we want to pray. We want to thank God. We want to get our focus right. But beyond that, and you've got the burgers on the grill tomorrow, ask yourself what memorial you are. His power in your life. Is there a memorial? Or are you still going back to Egypt?
Father, I pray, Lord, that You would be seen beyond all. That, Father, our lives would not be lives lived in the past, but they would be lives lived in the present today, moving forward as a result of You bringing us across the Red Sea, as a result of our following You with the faith that looks away from all others, only unto You, the author and finisher of our faith. I pray, Father, that right now, at this very moment, You would call to remembrance into the minds of the people here things that maybe they need to do away with, idols that maybe they need to get rid of. But Father, if there's something keeping them from living a life as a memorial to You, that God in heaven, You would call that to their mind. Help them to see their need of You. We pray, Father, that there be no one here that believes that they are wrapped in rags of religion, but dead bodies on the inside. Pray, Father, that You would stir in our midst. Open our hearts, we pray. Amen.